This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. China prepares to defend top 500 title. And Samsung launches challenge to Intel Optane SSDs. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. Michael, This Week in HPC, we were talking about some of the U.S. exascale plans uh, in last week's episode, and now we're going to turn our attention back to China, where details are coming out that China might have uh, a possible defense of its Top 500 crown coming up the mid middle of this year yeah it looks like they're going to launch a uh, multiple hundred petascale peta petaflop supercomputer sometime in 2018 they didn't really specify the time frame and what it looks like it's going to be the uh tianha 2a system that we've talked about in the past now that system was supposed to be launched last year sort of in the hundred petaflop range um, but now from a recent report that uh, we caught in People's Daily Online from China, it looks like they've upped that and they're going to make it uh, basically 200 times as powerful as the original Tianha-1, which was a petaflop system. And that would put it in the same territory as the Summit supercomputer that the DOE is launching this year. Yeah, that's what really gives this a lot of context. The current number one on the top 500 list, of course, is the Sunway Taihu light system. Uh, and then China's in the number two position as well. And we've been expecting the U.S. to try to retake the number one spot on the top 500 list on the June 2018 edition. However, uh, that summit system has now potentially got uh, competition. So that, that really becomes interesting and gives us a lot to potentially look forward to. Now, we don't really know a whole lot about uh, this system. We were talking last week about not knowing about the Aurora Exascale system in the U.S., but for for this system in China, again, we're, we're left making a lot of inferences. China has traditionally been a lot less open about its architectures, at least until their surprise unveiled. Right. That's, that's their sort of uh, MO there. But uh, doing a little digging uh, when they're we're talking about the system last year, and they did reveal some details, uh, which actually changed over time. It looks like uh, they might be using an ARM-based system of their own making, as well as a, a DSP-based accelerator of their own making to get to, to this and put together, you know, something on the on tens of thousands of nodes, maybe six teraflops per node, and and coming up with uh, a system that'll be probably in the range, uh, if, if this reporting is accurate, about 240 peak petaflops. Um, all pretty doable if all of those numbers and all of that sort of research holds up. So not out of reach. It's just something they really didn't talk about uh, until this week. One of the Tianho follow-ons, of course, was, was scheduled to be Intel processors in the Xeon Phi line until uh, a U.S. government embargo kept uh, Intel from shipping those chips as well as other U.S. companies from shipping similar chips to certain Chinese government supercomputer centers. The net effect of that seems to have been that China accelerated its own in-country uh, processing plans, and now we're seeing Chinese processing elements going into these computers. Yeah, exactly. Now, it hasn't accelerated into the sense that, you know, they were able to come out with this and meet the original deadline for that system that got delayed, but 
uh, now we see years later, at least, if, if this comes to pass, that they will have a system that basically replaces that older uh, Xeon Phi-based system. And this will this will surpass that certainly by a large margin. And even uh, this is now going to surpass the current number one, the Tiahu Light system, uh, at uh, at around 125 peak petaflops. Now, you do some good analysis in your article on top500.org looking at the available components for this and estimated that if you base it on current components, we might be likely looking at something in the 40,000s worth of nodes, right. uh, which is large but not unheard of. It does bring up the question of what the interconnect might be for the Sunway Taihu light system. Uh, China bought silicon from Mellanox to presumably design their own uh, InfiniBand-like interconnect. Do we have a sense of what they might do for an interconnect here? Well, they've talked about a, 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 a Tianha-type uh, network, and that could be just about anything. And for this, presumably they're going to upgrade it. That's a much larger node count than they've they've dealt with in the past. Um, so it could be basically based on anything that's that's more up in the air than than even the processors but all of this you have to say is still speculation at this point because there's no official confirmation of of what any of this architecture is, is going to be since there's no official confirmation of a system of this size just some sort of hand waving that we're going to get something 200 times bigger than what we had before Right, nor do we have confirmation of the date that this is necessarily targeting the June 2018 list. So if we were right. critical on last week's podcast at all that we didn't have a lot of details around this DOE supercomputer that's still a few years away, I think we know even less about this one, which is more imminent, but that's more of a Chinese style. Yeah, that's definitely more of a Chinese style. I mean, it's uh, not the norm in the U.S. and certainly not the, uh, the big Japanese supercomputers, which uh, get those those architectures specified well in advance of deployment. Right. The Japanese style certainly specifies architectures out well in advance. And then after that, they tend not to say anything about it until the system is deployed. And right. then you find, oh, right, they've been quietly following this same plan that they announced a long time ago. Uh, the U.S., we see a lot more of a steady drumbeat of updates about these systems, which is what made the uh, Aurora one unique that we commented on last week. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm certainly going to be watching in June. And, and the other one we discussed most recently is the the large oil and gas supercomputer coming from any or eni in uh, italy which uh, should be slated to become the top commercial supercomputer in that time even if it doesn't hit the top 10 that'll be another uh, noteworthy supercomputer all potentially coming uh, in june at isc yeah and and i think there's going to be i think uh, just in the past four weeks since the year started i've covered multiple Petascale type deployment. So there's going to be, I don't know if you'd call it a shakeup in the list, but certainly there's going to be a lot more petaflop level supercomputers in the top 500 list on this next go around. And we'll probably push that petascale well down into uh, the middle or the bottom half of the list, maybe by, by this June. I remember when a petaflop used to be a lot. Yeah, I know. Those were the good old days, right? Those were the good old days. All right. Also, Michael, this week in HPC, we have a new interesting product launch from Samsung. They've introduced a, a product called a ZSSD, and that's targeting high-performance computing and AI types of applications and really going head-to-head -head with the SSDs uh, under the brand Intel Optane. Right. It's, uh, it's what 
Yeah, Samsung is calling basically their high-performance SSDs, something they sort of conveniently designated as something that would have the performance of what their ZSSD does. Uh, so it, it is a much faster SSD than you'd normally get for, uh, you know, an enterprise server. It's, uh, you know, uh, 750,000 IOPS on re-performance, 16 microseconds of latency, and its uh, resilience is much higher than a normal SSD. They they think it has a five-year lifetime, and they can write like something like 42 petabytes in aggregate over that lifetime. So it's something that's a little different animal than what you'd normally consider an SSD. And uh, you know, like like they're saying, it's going to offer a lot more performance for these very data-intensive data applications in analytics, AI, HPC, and the like. I think this is a well-timed product. This is an area where we're going to con continue to see uh, products emerging in this blurring space between memory and storage with things like NVDIMMs, NVMe. Now you've got this ZSSD product. Uh, really, it gets to where you start thinking of memory itself as part of the storage hierarchy. There, there doesn't have to be this arbitrary separation between this is memory and this is, is storage. The other interesting thing about it is, you know, Samsung is, is really a dominant player here. And, and we've seen reports or, or claims that Samsung is now actually the largest uh, chip provider in the world ahead of Intel. Yeah, I mean, in fact, they were just reporting for this last quarter, the uh, semiconductor unit at Samsung brought in $15.8 billion. Uh, that surpassed Intel, which reported it's pretty close to that, 14 point, close to 14.8. But note that this is the first time since 1992 that Intel has not been the leading semiconductor company. So this is sort of a, an interesting uh, facet for, for Samsung now, and it's due to their basically their memory sales and their... Um, their flash NAND sales uh, that, that's going into everything from PCs to, to data centers, and we're selling a lot of these now. So it's not their, their chip business per se, it's, the, it's their memory business that's doing this. Yeah, and Samsung has been a huge memory provider here. Now, going back to my, my previous point, I think this really has a lot of implications for the hyperscale and HPC AI markets uh, going forward, particularly in commercial markets where we haven't seen large-scale deployments of things like parallel file systems. If we look at how storage is, is really uh, diversifying in technology, the number of tiers of storage that are uh, available, expanding in both directions, both in an archive and cloud direction, as well as into a faster tier made of flash, SSDs, and the like, the idea of a high-performance file system doesn't extend well across all of these different tiers of storage. And what it really makes me think toward is something more like object storage, where I think that's a more extensible kind of management for uh, for for storage across all of these different tiers. And, you know, we're not used to thinking of object storage as a high performance storage model, but really performance is going to be determined less by, you know, what's my, my high bandwidth way to get to all these disks. And it's going to be more determined by how do I get the right data onto a hotter tier in storage when it's needed, which is essentially predictive. I think by the time we're five, 10 years out, you're going to be looking at high performance storage being defined by having a storage operating system that even has AI or machine learning capabilities built in such that you can start predictively promoting data to a faster storage tier before somebody hits return and needs that data. 
Yeah, I, I, I think you're right here. I think a, a more abstract uh, version of, of memory and storage management that, that can be that can be implemented with object storage is probably going to be the way to go in the future, especially like you said, seeing these extra tiers start to insert themselves. I mean, this extra tier actually people have been calling storage class memory, which sort of crosses that boundary between what we've referred to as, as traditional memory and traditional storage. So um, it's it's an extra complication for the software stack and maybe for application writers. So you're thinking a, a, a standard, a more standardized way of doing this that sort of got rid of those silos and just talked about object storage could be sort of an enabling technology for this sort of expansion of tiers. At any rate, Samsung new ZSSD products, those are going to be interesting to see how they start fitting into the overall hierarchy. Yeah, and they're going to be, uh, they were unveiled this week and they're going to be officially launched at the International Solid State Circus Conference in a couple of weeks in San Francisco. So they should be, uh, be in, mar in the market uh, fairly soon now. All right, Michael, thanks a lot. Another couple of interesting stories. You can read more on top500.org. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.